Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, thank you for honoring Everett. And, uh, you know, I just want to say as we begin this morning, so... Uh, so many of the stage sets that you guys see, you know, this is not something that just sort of happens. We have people and teams and volunteers behind that. And frankly, the whole Mitchell family has been such a big part of that. Well, can we just honor them again for, you know, all that they're doing? Praise the Lord. Well, you know what? I want to welcome everybody, whether you're here at West Campus or East Campus or Future Lake Worth Campus, or you're streaming the service online, or you're podcasting the service later. We want to welcome you to Community of Hope. We're honored to have you with us. And uh, this is Palm Sunday, and it commences uh, Holy Week. We've been navigating our way through uh, all of these uh, special weekends, these special services, and now we're kind of come to this moment. And so I'm excited about that. But before I begin, I want to make sure I do something else this morning that is particularly important for this campus before uh, we go on. And we have two guys uh, this morning. We have two guys and a spouse who are leaving us, uh, and they are moving. And uh, James and Wendy Stephanie and John Pasquale, I don't know if they're in the service or you guys somewhere in the service. Uh, there, There's James back there. Where's John? Is he here? I think uh, he's already gone. He's left the building. All right, no. He's, he's what? He's still at the door welcoming people. Um, these are James and John I call the sons of thunder. There they are. Would you see them back there? Can we just honor them? Uh, these, are, these are folks who have been serving so fa- faithfully. James, Wendy, and John uh, in our uh, hospitality area, our guest services area. We're going we're gonna to really miss you guys. And I just want you all to come on down. I want to pray you out. So come on, come on down. And then back to your post. Okay, you're not done yet. So I'm going to pray for you and then get back to the job, all right? But um, these guys have just been uh, so special, and uh, I want to take a moment, just personal privilege, pray for them, okay? Yeah, let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you for the wonderful example that we get to see from time to time of people who are just leveraging, you know, uh, effort and energy for your kingdom's purpose. And I want to thank you for these brothers. I want to thank you for Wendy. I want to thank you, Lord, that um, you have used them in immeasurable ways in our church across the years to welcome people in, to make people feel comfortable, to create space, God, where you, wow, by the power of your Holy Spirit, can do your work. And so, Lord, we're just going to send these guys, and Wendy, we're going to send them off with your blessing. We're going to pray that you'd go before them, uh, that you would establish the work of their hands here, that you would raise people up who would step into their roles and that you would uh, find for them fresh community, fresh brothers and sisters who follow Christ in the areas where they're going to be moving to. And uh, Lord, we, we just pray that you would remind them deep in their heart that their work is not in vain and that you've used them in a mighty way and that your church, your bride loves them. And we thank you, God, for the blessing of serving together. We thank you for the blessing of the body of Christ and the church eternal in every place. And we pray together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Fist bump. Back to work, guys. All right, great. Oh, come on. Give it up. Come on. There they are. Great. 
Hey, I want to remind everybody, of course, next week is Easter, right? So this is a high time to invite. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about my prayer before we jump into the message. Uh, my prayer is that God uses spaces like Holy Week to raise spiritual curiosity in the minds and hearts of people. And so uh, that, that still yet in our culture that God would, you know, raise the spiritual climate and so that we think about living and uh, doing our, our life in this community, would you be open to the power of the Holy Spirit to invite people? I want to remind everybody that we have six services uh, next week, 9, 10, 30, and noon uh, here, also a 7 a.m. service. We invite people to bring their chair to that experience. Uh, we have two services over on the East Campus. Then we have this online, on-demand streaming uh, experience that's going to be happening all day. And, and this is the weekend I've been saying for a couple of weeks uh, coming up next, where if you want to double dip, this is double dip time because we've got some exciting things and some creative things. So just want to want to share that um, with you and remind you uh, about that. All right. So let's grab your notes or your app. And we're in the last week uh, of a series that I think God has been growing us. How many of you feel like God has been pushing the edges of our faith in this series? Somebody raise your hand. I'm going to feel very discouraged. Thank you for that, okay? And uh, so I think God's been doing some cool things in our body over these uh, last uh, several weeks, and we have been in a series, we just call the series Descending into Greatness. We're exploring the enormity of the impact of Jesus with his life, how his life transcends and brings new meaning to every single thing he touched. And uh, in particular, uh, we've been exploring together what his life teaches us about humility and servanthood. Both are things that we uh, need in our world and in our culture. And we've been using, this is what I've been saying, we've been using Paul's words to guide. Paul has been a trusted tour guide helping us navigate some different spaces, some different journeys, some different aspects of our faith. And we're going to turn to his words one more time. Uh, and again, just so you can impress all your friends, scholars think this is probably one of the most Christologically focused passages of scripture in the entire Bible on exactly what Jesus did, what Jesus is still doing, and who Jesus is right now calling us to be. So really a lot of that fine work uh, happens in these verses. So uh, Paul's words, we believe, written while he was in prison, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. He says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, have the same mindset, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Uh, rather, uh, Paul writes, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, Paul writes, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name and that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And one of the things that we have um, been focusing on uh, in this passage of Scripture is, is the, the transcendence and even the literal progression of what Paul writes. He talks about God uh, in Jesus starting here, descending all the way down, and then coming all the way up. There are some who suggest, you know, the, 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 the letter V is a perfect example, really, of the tenure of the Christian experience. 
And so we've been kind of focusing uh, on that together. But because it's uh, Palm Sunday this weekend, which is, commences the beginning of Holy Week and most important weekends of the entire year in terms of our faith, I wanted us to look at the cross one more time. But here's what I want to do. I don't, I don't want to look in a way at his cross. I want to take a moment this morning and talk about your cross and my cross. And that's what I want us to focus on. Would you, would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, I thank you today for this wonderful experience. I thank you that we've been able to sing songs of blessing and promise, songs that declare the promises that we know to be true or are learning uh, to know that are true about you. And God, this morning, we're going to do what, what has been kind of a natural rhythm down through the centuries, really. We're going to open your word. We're going to ask that you would by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak through your word, that they might not just be ancient words on a page we read, but living words that sear our conscience and inspire our heart toward greater things. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read a passage of Scripture that is going to help us focus on really what it is that I, I want us um, to talk about this morning. And um, so the passage that we've chosen in our teaching team is Matthew chapter 16, beginning of verse 21. And uh, this is important, and I'm going to connect it to a lot of things this morning, but hear how Matthew records this time in the life and ministry of Jesus. He begins in verse 21, he says this, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. For what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of God coming in his kingdom. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this uh, in terms of this passage of our scripture, and uh, I think this is an important conversation that we would have this morning. So here's what I want to admit to you guys. I've been wanting to have this conversation uh, in our church. and uh, But here's what I want you to know as well. I didn't force fit or sermon wrench this passage of Scripture into the series. Sometimes, you know, preachers will do that. I can remember in the early days of my ministry, if I was working on my sermon and, uh, you know, uh, it was not coming together, I would... I would try to find some illustration, whether it made sense or not. If, if, if that wasn't really working, I would send my kids out and, and I would say, go create an illustration for me. Uh, the material's a little light on the weekend. I didn't actually do that. It sometimes felt like I did that. 
Uh, but at any rate, um, I didn't sermon wrench this in because here's what I wanted you to think about. This is how it fits. So think with me about this. This is the first time that Jesus announces his plans to go back to Jerusalem and die. This is the first time he does this. And so um, uh, he makes this uh, announcement. And although there's still ministry and important things Jesus uh, does before he gets there, and although when we read the Bible, the two events I'm speaking about don't necessarily fall into sequential order, when he does finally get back to Jerusalem, we know the event as Palm Sunday. So you see how it connects? I mean, here's Jesus announcing, hey, everybody, just want to drop this little fact in your mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to give my life up there. When I get to Jerusalem, uh, it's going to turn weird, and I'm going to die there. And, and here's what I want you to know. When he finally gets to Jerusalem and he returns, this is Palm Sunday. So you see the connection, right? Now, here's the thing I want to draw your attention to that I really want to, uh, to move into. Um, this causes quite a stir. Did you read? Did you notice that when I read that in the scripture? Um, I remember. I don't know whether it was. A, I think it was last year. We did a series called "Amazed," and uh, what we did is we we took a moment and we looked at all the different passages of scripture where it said that Jesus was amazed. Because here's what I'm thinking: if Jesus is amazed, we ought to know what he's amazed about, right? That ought to like come. We ought to give some attention to that. And so, in, in a similar fashion. Um, I, I think this is sort of interesting, and we should tarry there because Jesus says he's going to go to Jerusalem. Peter steps in front and says, "No, no, no, no. Let's let's don't do that. Let's kind of let's kind of back off of that vision." And Jesus calls Peter Satan. Come on, y'all, wake up. What if Jesus called you Satan? I mean, that would kind of get your attention, right? And and so I think we should tarry. And, and we should look at this. I, I, I remember, uh, how many of y'all know who, who, uh, Thomas the doubter is? Doubting Thomas, right? In the Bible. We know, we know who he is. Always feel like he got a bad rap. That's, he's always known as the doubter, you know? He actually did some other good things, but there's, there's this story down in the Gospel of John. I want to connect to this where, um, Lazarus has died. We remember the story about Lazarus' death. And when Lazarus died, Jesus said, I think we should go. He waits. It's sort of a weird thing. He waits till Lazarus dies. This is his good friend. And then he says, Hey, we should go to Bethany. Now, here's what I want you to know. Follow, follow my line of thinking. Bethany's only a couple of miles from Jerusalem. Jesus is extremely popular at this time, and the chief priests are really, there's a lot of pressure that's boiling. And so the disciples, uh, you know, are a little concerned about wanting to go to Bethany. Bethany's just down the road from Jerusalem. You're not super popular in Jerusalem. And so, and, and, and so Jesus says, you know, in, in the gospel of John, he says, let's, let's go down to Jerusalem. I, I want to be with Lazarus. And then Lazarus says this. These are exactly his or, 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 uh, Thomas says this. These are his words. He says, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, here's what I want to want to point out, and this is going to be an important thing to keep if you're going to get every, everything I'm saying today. This is what I want you to get. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we read it in inauthentic ways, and we over-spiritualize stuff. So let me let me just say it again. Let us also go that we may die with him. I think we read that, and when we hear, we hear Thomas saying, let us also go, and we may die with him. 
And if you think about sometimes you ever watch movies, sometimes our TV, the, vo- the words get off. Does your TV ever do that? I don't know why it does that. We have one TV that I'm about to throw out the window because it's off all the time. And so I think we read stuff like that. Let us also go. That we may die with him. I worked on this all week long and it's, it feels like a, like as Trevor says, a big fat nothing burger in the room right now. And I think it's sometimes what we do. We, we read stuff, we over-spiritualize it, we just zip through it, we all know what's going on. And every now and again, I think we got to pause and go, guys, these are historical narratives. And, and, the, and the writers are doing their best to help us understand and get behind what is going on in there. And so when I think, honestly, when Thomas is going, let us also go that we may die with him, I don't think he's going, let us also go that we may die with him. I'm going to do it till y'all get it. Okay? I mean, I got, they ended a little early. I got all kinds of time this morning. Here's what I actually think, here's what I actually think is doing, and I took all the bad language out of it. So here's actually what I think he's saying. Oh, great. Why don't we all go? We can die with you. All right, that didn't fit. I'm going to say it again. Oh, great. Why don't we all go? We can die there with you. Let's stand for closing prayer. This is bombing out. I'm just going to move ahead. See if I like 1030 today better than nine. That's what I'm going to do. Whoa, okay, now it's getting real. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't, for the sake of your own faith, don't over-spiritualize the Bible. Live into the tensions that are created in that space. I mean, this is, this is Thomas, this is, this is Peter getting front, in front of Jesus and, and I want you to know, this, this, this moment was as ugly as you might think it would be. You think of ugly conversations you've had, these were ugly conversations. And, and I, I want to really, I want to un, undo that for a moment. In fact, um, what I want to point out, I, I just think it's pretty customary to talk about Jesus' cross and Lent, certainly on Palm Sunday, but... On this Palm Sunday, I want to talk about your cross and my cross because Jesus said everyone who follows him must pick one up and serve him. You get that? Now, here's what I think about this. And, and, and in fact, I want to, I said, put a slide up that says sermon alert because I want to just say, if I do this right, I will offend most everybody in the room before I'm done. And that's kind of what I'm aiming at. So, um, especially after my jokes didn't work. I'm, now i got all kinds of feelings about it. Um, when I, I think about this stuff, I, I want to say this is not an idea that's foreign to us carrying a cross. It's still today in our culture. Tell me if you disagree. Still today in our culture, we will say something like this. Uh, I was meeting with a group of friends of mine. I have a new group of friends that I've been hanging out with, a group of pastors who over the last year have been navigating the pandemic and how to lead through it. This has been a very weird time to be a Christian leader. 
Okay. I mean, like by last July, I'd offended everybody by one way or the other. Okay. And so I started meeting with this group. Uh, initially, we came together over some denominational concerns or denominationals in a fight. I think it's going to divorce. I don't want to be a part of it. Uh, they're fighting about stuff I don't want to fight about. I want out. I just, you know, this, can I just say that, you know? And I just feel all this kind of stuff. And we've been meeting together. And um, I thought it was funny because one of the guys one day, the old, one of the older guys in the room was listening to us younger guys. I'm still one of the younger guys in the group. And uh, he said, you guys are a bunch of rhinos. And I was like, I didn't know what that meant. And so I went back and looked at that, and, and I thought it was kind of funny. Before I tell you what he meant by it, I just want to um, I want to tell you, I want to kind of tee you up on this. Um, uh, th- there's a particular name for rhinos when they're, when they're together. But before I do that, I want to show you, do you know what? If you see a group of bees together, let me just, do you know what that's called? It's, no, it's not called a honeycomb. It's called a swarm. Okay? Uh, let me show you this. Let me show you another picture. Do you know what a group of lions is called? Awesome. It's called a pride. Do you know what a group of flamingos is called? A flamboyant. Who said that? You, right. It's a flamboyant. Right. Here's a funny one to me. This was kind of challenging to me. Do you know what a group of buzzards is called? It's called a committee. <laughs> I looked that up and went, no more committees at Community of Hope. We're not doing that anymore. Here's, here's a cool one. Do you know what a group of owls is called? Is that awesome? Look at, now look at this. You're going to love this. It's called a Parliament. Don't they look like we have called this meeting together? Let us go to Jerusalem that we may die with him. So watch this. So do you know what a group of rhinos is called? It's called a crash. Yeah. You know why it's called a crash? Well, I'm going to tell you. It's called a crash because they can run 30 miles an hour. 30, yeah, 30 miles an hour. They only see 30 feet ahead of them. <laughs> right? This may be the weirdest message I've ever preached. But I, I asked this guy this day, we're in this meeting, he goes, um, he said, uh, you guys are a bunch of rhinos. And then he explained the analogy, and he said, you know, the main thing about rhinos is this, they have no fear. And I started to reflect on that a little bit. And uh, here's what I started thinking about. I, I, it, maybe this is just a weird connection. I think it's the power of the Holy Spirit. But after all of this conversation, um, I, I ran across, I was reading something, and I ran across this quote. I want to show you this quote. Safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Well, 
That's a lie. Sorry for the amen. It's a lie. I don't know who ever said that. Uh, I don't know that I think we can make a biblical case around that. Now I, now I get what we're aiming at. But, but this morning I came, I came to push. I think the church is in trouble because of that kind of stuff. And when I read the New Testament and I look at the early church, I saw a group of rhinos. Uh, sometimes it looked like they were running 30 miles an hour and they could see 30 feet ahead of them. But I saw tremendous courage. And I think we're struggling with that. And I think if we live too long around this narrative, in fact, I want to say this. Let me just say this off script here. If the early church believed that, we, I think we wouldn't be here. I just think we wouldn't be here. I think the church would have died out. And here's what I want to say. Um, we will often say, we'll often use language, we'll say like this, we'll talk about our crosses we bear. When I was talking to this group the other day, uh, a while back, we were in Jan- it was January, and I was sitting on my back porch which is my little favorite spot. And, and over the pandemic, you know, offices closed at the time. I'm just doing a lot of stuff on the back porch, you know. And, and, and I'm out there one day, and, and my, my friends, this is January, all these pastors that I'm connected with are not even in our state. And finally this one guy goes, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dale, where, where are you at? I said, I'm, I'm on my porch. He said, turn your computer. I want to see where you are. This is, I turned the computer. This is what I showed him. And, uh, and this is what the guy said to me. They all turn, I said, well, y'all turn your computers around. Here, here was a guy looking like out on his back porch was covered with snow. Here's a guy at a frozen lake. Here was a guy in a snow filled parking lot. Here's a guy that was like, you know, his, showed his front yard. It was dead. And, and I showed him that picture because we're in Florida. We live in paradise. And he said, boy, this is exactly what he said. That's your cross to bear. Somebody's got to do it. We kicked him out of the group. That's what we'll say, right? Or, or now watch this. Or sometimes we'll say this. Well, I got to have my, my brother-in-law's got, it's our turn to have him for Easter. That's my cross I got to bear. My, my mom's coming over. She's a freak of nature. That's my cross I got to bear. That's not the cross Jesus was talking about. And here's what I want to tell you all this morning. Every single one of us is going to answer to Jesus about whether or not we carried his cross. And it's not your mother-in-law. And it's not Florida. It's something else. And I've really been thinking about a lot of this. Um, Karl Barth said this. He said, the church exists to set up in the world a new sign, a new thing, which is radically dissimilar to the world's own manner and which contradicts it in a way which is full of promise. 
And I have to say, over the last year, I, I feel like we are, even the church, we're putting our hope in things that even though they're good and may be good and may lead to good things, it feels sometimes when I'm in conversations, it feels like they're our only hope. And I want us to reject that. Now, if I were to really push, notice how this is how you do this as a communicator. You go, if I was really going to say something, and then you say it. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. You know, if I was really courageous, let's go to, if I was really, here's, here's what I'd say. I, I get you for 35 minutes on a weekend, and you go home and watch three hours of whatever news network you want to watch, and it's strangling our culture. I read this a few weeks ago. God was giving Paul an assignment. I want you to see this. Acts 9, 15 and 16. But the Lord said to Ananias, hey, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and all the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Hashtag blessed. Get it? Get it? Why, why is it? This is, I'm, I'm, it's curious. Why is it that when everything works out in our life plan, we go, man, God's, God's blessing us. If it doesn't work out, it's the enemy. What would have happened if Paul said that in Acts 9? Here's what I'd tell you. You and I, we wouldn't be here. Show you a picture of somebody. It's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In 1933, the threat of Nazi power was growing in Germany. And many were concerned about the waning power of the church. It would lead to one of the darkest moments in human history, the murder of over 6 million Jews. Uh, It deeply concerned Bonhoeffer because when he looked around the church, listen to this, he didn't see a cross. And so in 1935, Bonhoeffer accepted the invitation, really, to create an underground seminary that matched, listen to this, the orthodox belief with orthodox practice. Now imagine, what we say we believe, watch this, we're going to do it. Imagine that. What we say we believe, we're going to do it. Novel idea. And uh, I want you to listen to this. He wanted to build an intentional community committed to living the ethic of Jesus found in the Sermon on the Mount. So he started this vision in a large home in a rural town called Finkenwald. But when his friends began to read copies of his sermons and hear reports about the authenticity of his discipleship practices, they began to question it. 
And in particular, one friend, a young historian by the name of Wilhelm Neisel, came from Berlin to visit and to really straighten Bonhoeffer out. And uh, what happens next, this is Neisel's words, I want you to hear him. Bonhoeffer gets Neisel up when he comes to visit, and they and they they get in a canoe and they canoe up the 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 odor sound to, through the odor sound. And when the two rowers reach the far shore, Neisel says, Bonhoeffer led me to a clearing from which I could see in the distance a vast field and the runaways of a nearby squadron. German fighter planes were taking off and landing. Soldiers were moving hurriedly in purposeful patterns like ants. And Bonhoeffer spoke of a new generation of Germans in training whose disciplines were being formed, even in this moment, for a kingdom of hardness and cruelty and abuse. It would be necessary, Bonhoeffer explained to Neisel, to propose a superior discipline if the Nazis were to be defeated. This he looked at Neisel on the uh, odor sound while they were watching the squadrons, and he said this to him, this much must be stronger than that. Do you hear it? And we're not going to get our work done with hashtag blessed. And, and I want to tell you, I mean, that, here's what I want to, because I don't want to be misquoted. That's a part of the story. Here's what I just want you to know. It's not all of the story. There's another part of the story. And I think sometimes what the church does is we, we focus on the cross in these innocuous ways. Here's what I rem- want us to remember. This is a symbol of death. And the reason Jesus called Peter Satan was because Peter was stepping in front of the mission of Jesus. And by the grace of the living God, don't ever step in front of the mission of Jesus. Don't ever do that. Because it was the mission of Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we have promises in our heart. And tethered to our faith and tethered to our blessing and tethered to our promise is a cross. And you and I are living in a world, and sometimes I feel like we're living into an expression of the faith where the world is going to always say to us, hey, elevate yourself. It's about you. It's all about you. I was thinking this week that when I was a young man, I played a lot of baseball. And I remember one time uh, when I was, I don't know what grade I was in, and um they were picking the all-star team. And, and the coach said, you're going to pick the team. And we all voted. And it was kind of a matter of conscience. Because to be honest with you, I, I, I wasn't bad. And, um, and, I, and I remember in a moment of conscience, voting for my friend. And he beat me by a vote. And so in essence, I didn't vote for myself, and I didn't get selected, and he voted for himself, and he did. And I was moping around that. 
And I'll never forget that my dad, my dad, his, his response was so awesome. At the time, I didn't get it. And he said, how awesome, how great for you, Dale. And I remember thinking, um, what? And he said, you get to learn this wonderful lesson right now that it's not about you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you all because I wasn't fully sanctified yet. <laughs> that took a few years to kind of work its way into my soul. But I remember it as one of the most wonderful conversations I ever had with my father. I think everybody should learn that. But you're a lot, you and I are living in a world. And sometimes, watch this, you and I are living in a faith expression just by you. But here's what I want to tell you. Jesus says this. He says, deny yourself. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. And, and I want to just say this. I, I just have to say this. We should all answer it where we're picking up a cross. And can I just challenge you what I'm trying to do? Don't answer that question anecdotally. Don't go, well, you know, I mean, I think two months ago I let somebody go in front of me at Publix when they were checking out. Do not do that. Where are you carrying the cross of Jesus? Where are you leveraging in on the kingdom? Add it up right now. Paul said this, we should every now and again test ourselves to see if Jesus is in us. Jesus is in us, right? Unless we fail the test, Paul says. Now, I want to say before I close, and we're, we're going to sing, um, it's, it's not like the promise doesn't have, there's not a promise. Jesus says this. It's kind of amazing, counter, counterintuitive, kind of weird, kind of coming from the back door. He says, when you give your life up, you find yourself. Do we not see right now in our culture vast numbers of people just dying under the tyranny of, it's all about me, Snapchat picture selfie. What would happen if we just began to serve the mission? I think some of us would find new life in Jesus. Lord, never let us forget. Never, ever, ever, ever let us forget that, yes, you carried our cross. And then you said we must carry one, too. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. Lord, would you help us be your hands and your feet in a broken world? Would you remind us, oh God, that somewhere in each of our lives, we must, as followers of Jesus, pick up a cross, deny ourselves, and follow you. We hear those words, God. Apply them to our lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Go in His grace. We'll see you next weekend, Easter Sunday.